select John Moran at the top of Memphis's draft board here at 21, I'm told, Gonzaga's Brandon Clark. The Memphis Grizzlies select Jaron Jackson Jr. Bridge makes game, you hear me? And welcome into another episode of the Next Gen Podcast here on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. And today we have a very special guest, Molly Morrison, the queen of Grizzlies Twitter. I think everybody can agree on that. Uh, Molly, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. Very, Yeah, very excited to have you on and everything. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, and kind of just to start, I do want to talk a little bit about kind of like the growth of the fan base in general. And I think we've kind of seen that from like as many people that came to the open practice on Sunday, like there was a line. It looks like it was a line for a playoff game to get into I a practice. Know. I know. And I mean, yeah, go on. It's, it's just like <laughs> it's crazy to see. And I know that you probably have some interesting insight on that kind of stuff too, being from Memphis and everything like that as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, before I was going to games, it was at the pyramid. And then but I do remember my first memory of going to games. There weren't people there. You know, there weren't a lot of people there. The Grizzlies were not drawing the crowds that most franchises were drawing. Um, And I think during the grit and grind era, we still unfortunately struggled with attendance. So this emergence of obviously the crowds were great I mean that was some of the most iconic energy I've ever felt but you know during regular season games during preseason games you just didn't see that turnout but the way the crowds have been coming for these for this Grizzlies team is unbelievable and I think you have the players to thank but also the team has done such a great job really connecting with the city and um, you know the marketing all of that they're really doing a good job making different people excited and wanting to be a part of this experience so it's definitely been really fun to watch yeah and like I I do see what you're saying because I remember even during the grit and grind era like obviously the playoff games were incredible like yeah there's there's no question about that but it was like the games in February against like the Kings, there's, there's not, they're not pulling the people that they're pulling, that they're going to be pulling this year. Like I would say some of the preseason games have looked to be almost as full as I've seen like during regular season in the past, which I think that's just like crazy to think about. Yeah. And and not only have they been crowded, they've been loud. I mean, I was watching one on TV and I was like, Oh my God, I've never heard a Memphis crowd this into a preseason game. It's been so so cool to watch and so fun and the city I mean we're putting on a good name for ourselves because that's what you want to be that's what you how you want to be represented so I think it's definitely exciting to see the crowds the turnout and just how connected they are to the team when they're playing yeah yeah definitely I think I mean obviously it's partly just because of how exciting the team is now too and John everything like that because I, I I'll say if even if you want to go back to the grit and grind and you, I don't know if we can say Josh the best grizzly ever yet necessarily but I think he's definitely the you most don't think exciting. We can? I mean it's I probably but I don't want to get into that debate today. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. 
because like like the the twelve year old fa- Grizzlies fan in me is like Zach Randolph and all that, and I don't want to get into that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it's it's not a question that he's definitely the most exciting and he's the biggest draw, and and that's part of it. But then it's like you look at the rest of the team too, uh, and just like from top to bottom, I feel like they've just really built the roster in a way that it's kind of just even like fans in Memphis and then even people like around the NBA are paying attention to the Grizzlies more than ever. Uh, And another thing, part of that is with the social media team and like all the stuff that you kind of see on social media. Like I'll always say you were one of the first Grizzlies fans that I ever saw like on Twitter. Like I remember like just being in high school and like, obviously there were still like the media people. Right. But there were not like a lot of like Grizzlies fans on Twitter that I followed. Right. Um, Yeah. You know what? I'll give, Shout out to Alex Adams. He ran this account. It yes. was like, do, do you remember him? Clutch, Clutch like, like Mac 11. Yep. Oh, course. okay. Yeah, yeah, there you I go. Remember him. So, I remember him. so I feel like for a while, he and I were really like, I don't want to leave anyone out, but I would say we were the big fan accounts. They were, you know, local figures that were tweeting about the Grizzlies. I mean, that was the most fun part is that community of people that weren't even media members. There were so many people mm-hmm. who just were huge fans, but in terms of fans accounts go, yeah, it was really him and I. Um, and we actually, like, it was funny because we were both anonymous. And at one point we like messaged and he was one of the first people who ever knew who I was. And he kept that secret. So shout out to him. Um, but yeah, the turnout and all of that has been unbelievable. And, you know, we talk about Jaw, maybe not the best Grizzly ever, but we've never had a Grizzly he literally started in the all-star game, like his first all-star game. I mean, that that's going to get you hyped. That's going to get you hyped, not only nationally, but locally. It's, it's really like, you, obviously you don't want to sit here and be like, it's all him, but the way he also has involved the other players and wanted them to step in and the light be shown on them as well. You know, he'll always be hyping up the other guys, even when he's out on Twitter. So just, like we said, you know, the media attention, the way that the spotlight's been put around to everyone. So definitely awesome. Yeah. And I like that you mentioned that because I feel like whenever I see Ja like actually reply to people, like obviously like he does do stuff about like his own game and like some of his highlights and stuff. But I feel like most of the time he's talking about his teammates. And I think that's like mm-hmm. a big thing too. And I feel like if he's going to come back and like try to defend somebody, he's always it's never like he's defending the people in his comments talking about him most of the time. I feel like it's it's him like defending uh, like Zaire or somebody like that. Yeah, just like the trust he has and everybody on the team. Yeah, it's so funny. You know, he'll he'll come at someone for suggesting trading someone on the team. We've seen him do that. So it's like it's like so rare that you have a star player an all-star this this really global superstar at this point I mean he has ways to go but just in the way his name his likeness it's everywhere um you got to be careful as a local media member for not getting on his bad side and I don't mean that in a negative way towards him I just mean he has shown that he is monitoring monitoring what people are saying and he will comment on it so if you're throwing around a trade suggestion, whatever, you have to know the risk that he's going to come in and defend his teammates. Um, and I think it's really unique and it makes things kind of funny and fun uh, just to see him be so involved. It's like 
there are franchises where maybe, you know, in the past, it seems like Zion has a lot of that was sort of fabricated by the media, but there was a feeling at points that he wasn't connected enough to the New Orleans and the Pelicans fan base. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I said, I feel like that was sort of fabricated and also he was in a weird situation. But then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have this guy who's like so involved and, you know, he's he's like at the dinner table. He's hearing y'all's conversations. He's going to comment on them. So it's it's so unique. And I don't think there's really ever been anything like it. And it's really funny to observe. Yeah. And I like that you kind of because I remember like when that whole Zion thing started happening, they were like, ah, he's not close enough to the team and he doesn't support the team enough. And then he kind of like tried to do a little bit of the stuff that Ja was doing and tried to come out and like support his teammates on social media, which like I think that's great. But it's like it's just interesting to have a player that you've never had to ask him to do it like he just did it. And I think yeah. there's just like a difference in that. Yeah, and it's not natural for everybody. You know, social media isn't natural for for everybody. It doesn't seem like Zion is someone who really has a big social media presence. He seems, you know, he likes to game. He likes to do other things. So it's not like it's a requirement when you sign the contract. But fans, when you're injured, fans do like to feel that connect. They like to know that you're still watching the team, still supporting the team. So as much as people are want to complain, maybe he says too much. Again, not my words, maybe some other people. I feel like they'd be complaining way more if he didn't say anything. So, Yeah, and I I definitely agree with that. I think that if he was more quiet, it would probably be a bigger issue than – and we can talk a little bit about it too because I feel like I've – like in terms of the replies and stuff to like his tweets, I know that your replies are probably bad too at times for like a multitude of reasons. Mm -hmm. But like – everybody at now like everybody now it seems like like last year the Grizzlies were like this fun team that everybody kind of hopped on the bandwagon Mm -hmm. and then it's all of a sudden like there's this crazy like switch up like Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened I don't know if it was like they started winning too many games it was like ah this is the cool young team but now y'all have won 56 games and y'all are dancing on the court and we don't like it anymore and it's kind of feel like going into this season there's been a lot there's like been like a lot of switch up like not just on social media but just like in general about the Grizzlies and even about Jai at times too yeah here's what happened well first of all you have to remember that 80 percent of the people talking shit on Twitter are 14 year olds hiding behind profile pictures of athletes um and they're literally like live on the internet so most of it's easy to like get sucked into them be like everyone hates the Grizzlies but I will say I think your point is extremely valid that aside and I it comes from the fact that they talk shit like we can't sit here and be like why doesn't everybody love us the Grizzlies honestly they talk shit they pointed fingers I think the hip the hypocritical thing is how people seem to forget that it was kind of has been done on both sides at points but I do I do understand how when you are, you know, making these comments, kind of saying, you know, this guy injured me, people aren't going to love that. Uh, people aren't going to yeah, respond definitely. to that kindly. But I think that was done on both sides during the Warriors series. I feel like the fact that the way 
everything went down in that series really shifted the way the Grizzlies are perceived nationally. I think a lot of people now see them as complainers, <laughs> see them as sensitive, and that's just what's going to happen when you have guys who who are loud, who <laughs> say what they feel, who aren't afraid to, you know, point a finger. So do I think that a lot of the criticism is valid? I think it's definitely blown out of proportion um, because there was a lot of that finger pointing going on in that series in general, but it's going to happen when you're successful. People are going to look for more reasons to be mad at you. So I, I just think that it's, it was going to happen at some point and that sort of perpetuated it. Yeah. And it's, it's partly just because like you can feel the confidence of everybody on the team. Like it starts with Ja, but like Desmond Bain, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. probably talks as much as anybody in the league, which is something that people don't really think about because they always think about Ja. But it, but when if you watch the games, I feel like Jaron yeah. talks just as much as Ja is not. So it's like it's not just Ja, which is what I think a lot of people kind of like point at. It's like the whole team. And it's like I think it's partly because you have a lot of guys that weren't necessarily like high picks, like obviously like. Ja was the number two overall pick, but he goes back to in high school. He was under recruited. Uh, Jaron is really like the only guy on the team that went to like one of those blue blood schools, like for for college basketball and was like a lottery pick. Like everybody else, even if they were, they were either high, even if they were a high pick, there was maybe people thought they were picked too high when they got drafted. Mm. And that's kind of a part of the chip on their shoulder. Or if you look at Bain, it's like, he got drafted way too low, like looking back at it. Like I'm saying he probably goes in a redraft. He probably goes top five. Right. And he got picked at 30. And I feel like that's part of the reason why like their personality comes out so much is because of that. Yeah. And I think the chip on the shoulder is also reflected by playing for a small market team in a city that has never been granted the national coverage that a lot of teams maybe with similar talent as they have were, you know, in the past we, we were really upset by the lack of coverage when Grizzlies fans felt like our team was doing just phenomenal things. I mean, that grit and grind team was literally like doing just so many incredible things from being the eight seed to be the one seed. And so it's been a trend that has followed them even until Jaw was drafted for the first year. We saw not a lot of national TV games. And then we see it again last season when everyone's talking about expectations for going into the season. You know, oh, I think they'll be okay, probably a play-in. And then they go on to have the second best record in the league. So people are always going to sort of count the Grizzlies out. It's just how it's been. It's hard to shift that when it's been how the trend since they've really existed. Um, And I think the players, as you say, they come from backgrounds where they were also counted out um, and it just mixes well and it gives them that edge and the chip on their shoulders so that, you know, we want y'all to count us out. We we love this. We are going to come out and prove you wrong. So that's why I'm always hesitant to say my expectations, you know. (laughs) <laughs> going into the next season because I mean yeah. they've always proved us wrong so who am I to say they're not going to do it again 
Yeah, even even like last season, because I always say like in terms of how high I am on the Grizzlies, obviously I'm going to be higher than most people because I watch the Grizzlies every week and I watch it right. and all that. And I cover the team now. But like even going into last season, I was like, man, if they can get the six seed like that would be awesome. Yeah. And then nope. Two seed uh, second best record in the NBA. And it's like that kind of thing. It, it does make it a little bit weird to kind of think what your expectations for the team are going to be this year because mm-hmm. it's like every time I've put like an expectation out there especially like since Josh rookie year like Josh rookie year I was not thinking that they were even going to have a chance like uh they're probably not going to make the playoffs they're mm-hmm. look, looking at draft picks and stuff like that worried about that necessarily than the team and then obviously the whole COVID thing happened and then in the bubble they ended up losing the eight spot but they were the eight seed and I think if, yeah. if COVID didn't happen I think they probably would have ended up being the eight yeah seed. and also Jaron you know got his getting injury. hurt yeah so but then so, yeah the next season they come out and do a little bit better and then the next season they come out and do a lot better so yeah it's definitely been a trend of improvement yeah I think that's the most important thing kind of going into this season and talking a little bit about like the preseason because we talked I know you just mentioned Jaron Jaron's injury in the bubble and now he's going to be out again uh, I think one of the I think that's like the main reason why I feel like the expectations for the team may be a little bit down is because Jaron's injury. You can throw in DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson not being back, which they were big parts off the bench. And I definitely yeah. think that they're going to miss them, especially to start the season. Uh, but I think the biggest reason why a lot of people kind of see the Grizzlies taking a step back is because of the Jaron injury. Uh, so I don't know how much of preseason you've gotten to like see, but if you just had any expectations on what you think they can do without Jaron and then talk about a little bit maybe of what Santi Aldama has been doing, uh, just because I feel like it's obviously you don't expect him to do what Jaron does. Like that's not a valid, mm-hmm. it's not valid to expect him to do that, but I feel like he's been doing a pretty solid job. Yeah. I mean, Santi really, went from being a player who no one had really any hope for. I don't want to be mean, but just from the flashes we'd seen, there wasn't a ton of upside. But we also knew the whole time how young he was, how he really hadn't had his opportunities. And then in Summer League this year, we saw the player that the front office saw when they drafted him. Um, you know, it's it's – you can't pretend like there's really a solution to make up for the Jaron loss because there isn't, there's not going to be the offense Jaron provides, you know, that's a place he can improve his three point percentage. He can improve, but where he'll be missed, obviously the most is defensively. Um, The way he not only is a one-on-one defender, but the way he can help his teammates, I think that's going to be, what people miss the most just having that presence to step in and switch and help his teammates out defensively also on the boards you know all the blocks whatever but I do think Santi is better than people give him credit for defensively mm-hmm. so that is a plus but in terms of expectations and you know mentioning preseason I think the biggest situation that the Grizzlies are going to have to figure out is just getting comfortable playing with each other. These rotations, they really haven't fully figured it out. I think they finally have figured out that starting rotation, right? So Santi is going to step in and be that fifth guy, but these other, these backup squads, I mean, these guys haven't 
played together. Um, and that's obvious. And so it's also obvious in the starting lineup just with this new addition. So just figuring out how to get in sync and is the most important thing for the Grizzlies. I don't know if that was your question, but. <laughs> it's close enough, <laughs> close enough. Uh, yeah, and I definitely, I, I agree with that part because like even Dylan, like Dylan missed a lot of last season too. So mm-hmm. like even the starting five, which should have the most kind of continuity, like Jaron's out, Dylan missed a lot of last season. So like Dylan hasn't even played that much with like Steven Adams and like stuff and like yeah. players like that. And obviously none of them have played that much with Santi outside of practice. So right. I think that's that's part of the thing you're going to see. And then like on the bench unit, too, because obviously like there's the two rookies with uh, Jake LaRavia and David Roddy. Those are the two that I yeah. think are going to get the most minutes. It's been kind of interesting to see, like, in the last couple games, how Taylor Jenkins has messed with their rotations. Because it seemed mm-hmm. like LaRavia was, like, in the lead to get more minutes. But then in the last game, they kind of played about the same amount. So yeah. I'm not sure what they're really doing with that. And But I, also, they're not the players they're going to be at the end of the season because they're rookies, right? They haven't Absolutely. played. Yeah, they haven't played NBA games yet. So uh, just kind of talking about what we've seen in preseason, I think that, like you talk about Jaron and he's kind of like, in my opinion, I think if you could like build a defender, he is the defender you make because yeah, he's switchable. Yeah. He's a great rim protector and stuff like that. And Santi can't do that. Like you said, but I do agree that he is, he's underrated on the defensive end and then he can stretch the floor a little bit, which I right. think that's, that's the biggest thing is that he can shoot. And yeah, but uh, kind of switching gears a little bit from that is uh, I know that you're a big Desmond Bain fan. Like, I, I feel like if you if you follow the Grizzlies, you have to be a big Desmond Bain fan. Regardless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like kind of seeing like in that 33 point game, kind of what he's added to his game where he's more off the dribble, uh, a little bit more in the mid range, attacking the basket and maybe even attacking closeouts and stuff because of how great of a shooter he is. Uh, what do you think that he can kind of do this season and can take like a kind of the next step? Maybe not yeah. necessarily being an all-star because that's like a big step and a big thing to put on somebody, but maybe just like being in the conversation for one of the last spots. Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of answered the question there. Desmond is just a player that has already defied any kind of expectation anyone could have had for him. I mean. I don't agree with any of this, but when there was that day that the rumors of maybe trading for KG came about, there were legitimate conversations on Twitter. Would you rather get rid of Jaron or Desmond? And that right there is just such a testament to how good he is and how valuable the Grizzlies see him as. Um, In terms of improving, it'll be hard, if not impossible, to have the jump he had last season. But yeah. I do think he will continue to improve. I mean, he's he's so good and like he has so many upsides to his game. As long as he keeps playing and guys around him like Dylan, you know, maybe are starting to see, okay, I will give him the ball more, right? So just stepping into that bigger role and really becoming a guy like hopefully a CJ McCollum type player. Um with better defense I think he's a lot better at defense than people expect him to be because of his length but 
he just he's just gonna keep improving and it's gonna I do I do believe the all-star conversation will come I don't know if it'll be this season but in the next few seasons I think people will be talking about him as a potential all-star so Desmond is just unbelievable his shot is beautiful he has the ability to do so many things on the floor and they no one we should never get rid of him I'm a huge fan (laughs) yeah definitely I feel like like going into last season, I definitely feel like he was the most underrated person on the team too. Like, cause I feel like outside of Grizzlies fans and even within Grizzlies fans, like I was not expecting him to average 18 a game last year. Like yeah, talking yes. about like the expectations because I, like he doubled his scoring average. Like I was hoping mm. maybe he can get to like 15 mm-hmm. in the starting lineup next to John. Yeah, but like yeah. to see that jump, like, and like you said, he's not going to be able to make that jump again this year. But I think that just seeing the way that he improved last year, it's a testament not only to his work ethic, but kind of like just everybody yeah. in the organization. Yeah, and, and work ethic's the perfect thing to say because Bain is just the guy who's going to do – he's going to work hard. You know, he's going to make up for his limitations, like I said, his length by working harder than everybody else and becoming that much better. So I think you can just see his drive and work ethic, which will also continue to – further his game and just make him that, like I said, that CJ McCollum player who is going to be one of the core pieces in your hopeful title run. Yeah, for sure. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll see. We'll see. But see, nah, CJ McCollum, that's, that's a good comparison. I don't think I've ever heard anybody use that comparison for him. And I do like that, but I feel like obviously I think he's he's a little bit better from three than CJ is. But yeah. if he can get that, if he can get the off the dribble game, like he's shown like flashes of it. And I think that's that's the one thing you can I feel like you can learn how to dribble better, but like right. that shot that he naturally has is just like in insane to me. Because I'm pretty sure like if you look at his career, he's like top ten in three point percentage, like oh like all time like three, yeah, three seasons. obviously amazing. he has to like obviously yeah. he has to play a lot longer to like actually right. be in that conversation but still but, yeah it's ridiculous yeah. uh it and is. then kind of like and he shoots at a high volume so yeah like i think it. he was at seven attempts a game last year which is like i feel like there was times where the grizzlies team didn't take seven attempts right <laughs> like during the grit and grind era like i feel like there was games where they didn't take that many shots uh but then we're looking here i think six days before the regular season starts which is kind of i feel like this off season has flown by uh and the nba doesn't really like there is like a clear dead period like after the summer league Mm -hmm. to preseason and like training camp which i feel like that's the part that like yeah there there was a dead period right there but when you go to like the draft is only a couple weeks after the finals, right? Summer league is right after that. Right. The off season, like I feel like the off season has been super short. Uh, but yeah. if you could pick one thing that you would like to see, kind of the Grizzlies improve on in the regular season, uh, what would that be? Oh gosh, okay, putting me on the spot. Um, sh- I'd say just shooting. I mean, with the defense taking a hit this season with the loss of Jaron at first and also um, Melton and Anderson we're gonna have to shoot a little better I think we're gonna have to see a lot of people's percentage go up I mean Jaron was so phenomenal but like I said earlier his three-point percentage last season was 
was not as good as we want it to be. So everyone just improving on their shooting percentage. The rookies, we will probably, as you said, we'll see improvement on them throughout the season, but just picking up that slack also chemistry, figuring out the lineups, you know, I, they're trying new things. Shout out to the coaching staff. I think they're awesome. Although like sometimes I get really angry for the most part. I really agree with them. You know, they're trying out these cool things like Desmond potentially leaving the first unit earlier than the other ones or resting for the other ones um, just to give that burst to the bench. So once I think it'll take a few weeks. I do think we'll win games, but I think there will also be some embarrassing losses in that mix just as they try to find their rhythm and as they try to find their chemistry, um, just figuring lineups out. So in terms of what they want to need to improve on, I would say shooting does come to mind, but also, yeah, just the flow and playing off of each other. Yeah, it was kind of on the spot, but (laughs) no, no, that's definitely a good answer, especially if you consider like free throw shooting and stuff like that, too. Oh, yeah, that's a big problem. Uh, but yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I mean, I think they kind of tried to address that in the draft by getting guys that can shoot. Yeah, like Moravia. I mean, yeah, he Which, should be good. Yeah, and like I think everybody they drafted shot at least like thirty eight percent from three in college. So it's like they definitely saw that need as well. And I don't know. And this and this will go kind of into like the last thing about like the overall expectations for the season. I do agree that like the beginning of the season might be a little bit up and down, but I would also say don't panic if it is, because if you remember, because like, because if you remember last year, like they were nine and 10, 19 games into the season and they still ended up having the best record in the history of the franchise or time. So I, I think that would be my big thing is don't like in terms of my expectations, if they start slow, don't jump ship that would be like the first thing i would say and then if they don't get the two seed again that doesn't necessarily mean that they took a step back like i think that's the two that's i think that's like the two big things that i see going into the season whereas like maybe other grizzlies fans would see that as oh you know our seed isn't as good or we started the season slow like the, the, the main if thing for me no yeah. if anyone says that they're they're crazy if anyone's <laughs> disappointed by not getting a two seat again they're crazy um so many factors went into that two seed such as you know injuries the other other teams i think we do benefit by having an easier schedule for the first bit of the season without jaron but yeah I feel like a win this season would be not being in that play-in. I do think that would be a win just, and it's reasonable and it's not me being down on the team. It's just in terms of accounting for that time without Jaron, accounting for a lot of rookies stepping up into really big roles that they might not be ready for. Um, I would say that a five or six seed is probably my likely expectation i would say a seven seed is my honestly maybe realistic expectation and then like a three or four is really really something to celebrate but no there's not a part of me that thinks this team will be that two seed i just 
I hope I'm wrong, but I don't see it happening. Um, and I don't think it should be a disappointment if it doesn't happen. Yeah. Mm. And like, and like, I've always said, like, to going into this season is like the most important thing for me, because I feel like if, if they're healthy going into the playoffs, they, they have the talent to beat the other teams like if you put them in a head-to-head series like they have the talent to do it I don't think there's a question obviously there's other teams that maybe have more experience and stuff like that who've been there before uh but I think that kind of last year we kind of saw them start to get that experience that they need like especially playing against a team like the Warriors and kind of seeing like what a championship team looks like like up close and playing against them and I think that's something that's really important but yeah I'd agree like I don't know. I, I'd say I still think that they have a chance to be like five or six, four or five or six. I think that's like the range, maybe. And I think as long as they stay out of the play in, like you said, like, I think they'll be fine. And then I'm I'm not necessarily worried about like home court advantage or anything like that, because I mean, they had home court advantage last year and they gave up the home court advantage in game one in both of the series. So uh, it's one of those things. Where it's remind like, me. Yeah, I know. And it's almost like like they're better on the road too so like it seems that way hasn't it yeah yeah. especially desmond i mean he was like freaking michael jordan on the road (laughs) yeah like it's like the greatest shooter of all time might be desmond bain in road games like literally i I, I don't think i've ever seen anything like it but yeah like that's kind of my expectations too i kind of agree with that i i just hope that they do stay out of the play-in and i think that's a reasonable expectation uh but Before we kind of end, tell the people where they can find you on social media or anything that you're doing. I always want to promote other people in the Grizzlies community, too. Yeah, uh, Molly Hannah M on Twitter, Molly Hannah M on TikTok. And then I don't know, I'm like, should I plug my Instagram? Molly underscore Morris on Instagram. I do have some things that will be coming up soon, but can't plug anything yet. Still figuring it out. But excited and optimistic that i will be doing some fun things this season awesome awesome thank you like i said earlier thank you for coming on this episode uh and everybody for listening be sure to follow the grizzly bear blues podcast network and everybody and all the other podcasts like gvb lives the starting five the core four uh the new grizzly bear bet podcast uh i don't think i'm forgetting anybody else but we got we got a lot Mm -hmm. of cool stuff going on at the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network and uh, writing and everything like that, too. Uh, so thank you all for listening to another episode. Uh, another thank you to Molly for coming on. And we'll see you next week where we will be talking about the beginning of the regular season. Finally, after five months of mm-hmm. off-season talks.